Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk. And it's been somewhat of a quieter period uh, in financial markets since our last episode. Uh, volatility levels have, have been relatively low. Uh, and economic news has been at a bit of a premium. Um, probably the most noteworthy uh, piece of data that we've had since our last episode was the January business activity PMIs out of the G3 economies out last week. Uh, these PMIs are somewhat mixed. Uh, we did see a rebound in activity in the UK and the Eurozone, although growth in the US economy appears to be easing. Uh, More on that very shortly. Uh, Elsewhere, communications from central bank members have remained hawkish for the most part, indicating that no interest rate cuts are to be expected for a little while yet. Uh, That includes uh, the FOMC's latest meeting minutes, which suggested that Fed policymakers would carefully assess incoming data before deciding whether to lower US rates. Uh, Rhetoric from European Central Bank and Bank of England members have been similarly hawkish, and there is a general acknowledgement that the start interest rate cuts will have to wait for a little while yet, with financial markets now only pricing in 80 basis points of cuts in the US this year, 90 in the Eurozone, and 60 in the UK. That is considerably less aggressive than what we saw at the start of the year. Uh, This delayed start to lower central bank rates may partly explain the relatively limited volatility in currencies, uh, with both sterling and the euro trading in pretty narrow ranges against the US dollar. Uh, That said, we have seen a little bit of a rally in both currencies since our last episode, uh, which we see is partly a consequence of an apparent narrowing in economic performance between the US and its major peers, as evidenced by the, the, the aforementioned PMI numbers uh, with a composite PMI in the US edging lower in February to 51.4, while we saw an advance in in the similar or the same index in both the Eurozone and the UK to 48.9 and 53.3 respectively. Uh, But what do we all think of the data? Uh, Is this a one-off convergence across the Atlantic or can we expect this trend to continue? What do you guys think? I mean, here as always, the big problem that we have is the huge lag in Eurozone data, right? US data is, is uh, very rich and very, it comes out uh, with, with very little lag. Um, the UK, it has pretty decent uh, timely data. In the Eurozone, uh, really, we're forced to rely almost exclusively on the PMIs um, if, um, unless we want to look at data that is already two months old. So with that limitation, uh, the, I'm a little bit skeptical the, about the Eurozone, about this convergence story between the Eurozone and the US. The PMIs have improved a, a little bit. They came out a little bit higher than expected. Um, the services PMI in particular was um, up to 50, so at least it stopped con- it's, it's, it's signaling uh, no, no further contraction. But the uh, the manufacturing sector is really struggling with the PMI down to 42. Um, no real sense of a strong recovery coming out of uh, China or external demand for Eurozone 
manufacturing exports, um, retail sales uh, continue is seem to remain at best stagnant. So I I remain unconvinced that we've seen any significant closure of that gap between the U.S. and the eurozone, and um, th therefore. Uh, I, I still think that we're going to see ECB cuts a lot sooner than we we'll see Federal Reserve cuts. I think that there is some convergence taking place, and it's getting increasingly uh, clear right now with with the improvement in the PMIs. Uh, I think I'm saying it's a bit more positive than than Enrique here, uh, because the services uh, index actually, after about half a year under the the level 50, is finally back at this level, uh, with the trend being encouraging. And services, of course, is the most important sector in in the eurozone. Or, uh, so I wouldn't be as concerned with the manufacturing sector uh, and, and focus primarily on the improvement uh, in services. Uh, when it comes to the U.S., also we, we started to see some cracks in the hard data. Uh, as you mentioned, Enrique, we have the privilege of having this data earlier and uh, it is much more abundant uh, compared to Eurozones. Uh, and we did see deteriorating retail sales. Industrial production wasn't particularly good as well. Uh, we have seen some uh, weakish uh, durable goods orders. So there is a weakness in the hard macro data in the US. And uh, perhaps something uh, is starting to show because after uh, such a long time with uh, high interest rates, with interest rates at elevated levels that, that they are right now, uh, you would expect uh, some easing in economic activity. And perhaps there are some signs that could be showing that. However, uh, looking uh, more broadly, those are just only in initial signs. So we need more data to be to be convinced that there's a, that this is indeed the case. And I think I'm a bit more convinced that the situation in the eurozone is improving. It's it's uh, moving moving up uh, than that the situation in the US is uh, more clearly deteriorating. If we look, for instance, at the uh, Atlanta Fed GDP now, it's still hovering about uh, around three percent uh, for the first quarter. Uh, so the activity in the US economy continues to be uh, still uh, quite strong. Um, but I think that the narrowing uh, is likely to uh, continue to be to be extended moving forward, and uh, this is also one of the one of the reasons for our uh, stronger euro dollar uh, call. Yes, yeah, so I, I would tend to agree with you, Roman. I think we we are seeing what I would call early signs of a, of a little bit of a convergence between the US and and, and most other major economic areas. Albeit there still remains a still a bit of, a pretty wide gap, and there is quite a long way to go before this gap is is anywhere near closed um the key of course for markets is uh, will this will this apparent trend continue I, I would be inclined to say um to say yes um the reason why i say that i mean the us economy did so well last year i think the bar for for an upside surprise in us growth this year is now very high um and as we've been saying for a while i think there's there's much more room for the eurozone and the uk um to exceed expectations this year than perhaps in the us um i think we're beginning to see modest improvements you mentioned about the services pmi in the eurozone back uh, back above 50 that's um that's a very encouraging sign um but uh, as i said we're still a long way to go europe continues to remain in stagnation um U.S. growth still remains pretty solid, so there's still a long way to go. But I would say that any narrowing that we do start to see and do continue to see 
in, in in performance between say the US eurozone or the US and UK uh, that would that would certainly be a, a dollar negative um, from from current levels and I'd be pretty happy in in continuing to keep our our, our mildly bearish dollar view for this year. Uh, let's move on now to our second main topic and that is our expectations for next Thursday Thursday's at European Central Bank meeting which will take place on the 7th of March. Uh, now as mentioned communications from ECB members have been pretty hawkish of late downplaying the need for interest rate cuts just yet. Uh, that includes members to Gundos and Kazmir who among others have said that uh, policymakers uh, would be right to hold off from cutting rates and await more data before committing to easier policy. Uh, what does this mean for markets? Well, it, it means that the possibility of a cut at next week's meeting is, is pretty much a non-starter. Uh, markets now see less than a 10% implied probability of a first cut in March, uh, with the first 25 basis point cut now not priced in until the bank's June meeting. On the one hand, we, we have the Eurozone economy that is is clearly struggling. Um, a recession was avoided in the final quarter of last year, unlike the UK, but only barely, and we've seen effectively no growth for the last year and a half. Uh, inflation, on the other hand, is coming down, at, but with core inflation above 3% still, it, it seems that policymakers will need to see more progress on that front before committing to lower rates. Uh, so what do you both think this means uh, for next week's ECB announcement? Um, what are your expectations for the meeting and how do you think the euro could react? I mean, I think that the, uh, the, we're going to get remarkably little information out of the meeting uh, that we don't have already. Right? I think that central bankers in general are going to just, after the, the recent break in the downtrend of inflation that we had seen, uh, they're going to you know, wait and see. They're going to tell us that they're going to wait for inflation data to confirm or, or reject uh, the, the, the thesis that uh, inflation is going to continue to converge down to uh, the 2% targets. Um, and frankly, I think it's going to be a bit of a non-event. I think that uh, all central banks, the Fed included, have made clear where they stand. Uh, they've been, the communications recently have been remarkably clear. And I do not expect a lot of movement. In, the, in markets as a response. I still think that the, it might be interesting to see what they have to say, or maybe not exactly what they have to say, uh, but what they are thinking about the economic uh, prospects, uh, especially since this is going to be a, a meeting where we receive the new uh, projections. Uh, so it will be, uh, it will be worthwhile. Uh, I think that uh, inflation recently uh, suggests uh, that the things are moving in a positive direction. Uh, and uh, being the ECB uh, governing council, I, I would uh, think that conditions to ease monetary policy uh, are effectively there, or they will be there just uh, in, in a very short while. But the central bank uh, in the eurozone is tends to be a bit more uh, reactive and not necessarily a leading bank. Uh, so and also uh, considering the very sharp repricing in rates that we have witnessed, they just might decide to to sit on the sidelines uh, for now to to wait a bit longer uh, and not communicate uh, anything to clear. At the same time, uh, the tone uh, should probably uh, acknowledge that the progress on inflation uh, is. Uh, 
uh, is encouraging uh, and that the interest rate cuts uh, are coming. Uh, although uh, right now the question is whether April or uh, June uh, is, is whether April is at all realistic. And uh, so, yeah, I would view this meeting through a lens of what they communicate in that regard or what signals they sent in that regard uh, and uh, what they signal with regards to uh, inflation uh, prospects and, and economic prospects. And I think that uh, this week's uh, inflation report from the Eurozone will also be quite important uh, in the context of, of the meeting and it will be important in the context of, of the Euro uh, because it may uh, push expectations for April uh, one way or another. Yes, no, I'd I, I agree with that. I, mean, I, 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 I'm also on the side of of believing that I think this this meeting will be a pretty low key affair. Um, I, I wouldn't expect the ECB to rock the boat too much. Um, communications, as we've heard very recently, have been have been pretty hawkish. Um, most members seem to be of the view that there is no rush to begin cutting interest rates. That Central bank members will need to see more evidence on both inflation and I would suggest the labour market as well. So uh, until we get more data, I think the governing council members will be pretty happy to to wait patiently for that data before they have a high enough confidence on achieving the inflation mandate. Um, and until we till we get that, I don't think there's any real need for for the ECB to give any sort of explicit forward guidance or any big shift in its stance. Um, you mentioned Roman that uh, this week's meeting or next week's meeting will be uh, we'll see the re- release of the the latest economic projections. Um, actually, I think absent any big changes in 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 rhetoric or communications, those those projections may well be the most important guide. Um, for markets, and I, I think we could see the the biggest reaction in in the euro off the back of those updated projections, which could give us perhaps the clearest idea as to to where rates are going um, in the next few months. Uh, great, we're going to finish off now with our spotlight currency for the week, and this week we have chosen to cover the Chilean peso. Um, now, why the Chilean peso, I hear you ask? Well, uh, the peso has been by far the worst performing emerging market currency that we cover so far in 2024. Uh, since the beginning of the year, the peso has lost more than 10% of its value versus the US dollar and has tumbled to the 980 level on the greenback, which is its lowest level since July 2022. Uh, this follows an aggressive uh, easing cycle adopted by the Central Bank of Chile, which has been one of the most active in the world in recent months, lowering interest rates by a total of 400 basis points since July last year. Uh, we've also seen concerns, of course, uh, over the performance of the Chinese economy, uh, which has not helped the Chilean peso either. Uh, not only is the Chilean economy highly dependent on Chinese demand for around about 40% of its exports, but is also highly dependent on copper production, uh, which account for more than 50% of exports, of which uh, in itself uh, are highly dependent on Chinese demand. Uh, So this double whammy has created a bit of a challenging environment for the Chilean peso. Uh, But the key question now is what's next for the currency? Um, So what do you both think? Uh, Is the peso uh, a buy, sell or a hold opportunity? 
Um, I'm going to go with uh, a pretty strong buy. I'm a little puzzled by the, the weakness so far this year. I mean, it is true that the, the easing cycle uh, by the Bank of Chile is one of the most aggressive in emerging markets, and that's that's a negative for the currency. But um, as to the impact of uh, of the Chinese slowdown on the economy, uh, you would I think that you would see it primarily through lower copper prices and the co- the price of copper which is the ch- the main Chilean export has actually remained pretty constant throughout the last couple of years um i think the political news out of chile are good i think that the the fears that we would have uh, a new leftist constitution that would uh, uh severely erode uh, property rights and make chile less attractive for foreign investors those those have been dissipated completely it's not going to happen um and under the circumstances, I think that the Chilean peso is very cheap, and I think would react very positively to any any news of improvement or additional stimulus coming from China. And even if that doesn't materialize, I think that the uh, the, the current price of copper justifies uh, Chilean peso considerably higher than it is now. For me, it would be something uh, I think closer to to a halt. Uh, I generally uh, see that the correlation between the, the CLP and copper uh, has uh, decreased of late. Also, then looking at copper, uh, as you mentioned, it has been more or less flat and concerns regarding China are, are still there and uh, signs of improving in what is perhaps the most important. So the real estate sector are also not there. So maybe it, it has some potential in that regard. Um, but uh, I'm not that convinced. Also, looking at real rates. Uh, these are not the highest in LATAM. I think that there are uh, other uh, better opportunities, uh, such as, for instance, the Brazilian uh, real. Uh, and uh, yes, yeah, so, so I would think that, and also I'm seeing that the sell-off has been very significant. And on the one hand, you can argue that it leaves the room for a strong reversal. But at the same time, if we see such a strong sell-off, uh, buying uh, CLP would be uh, somewhat akin to catching a, a falling knife. Uh, so I would uh, steer uh, probably, uh, I would be a bit more uh, worried uh, about that. Uh, and that's why, but uh, I, I still think uh, that perhaps uh, the sell-off was, uh, was a bit overdone. So yeah, a hold for me. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. No, I'm, I'm, I'm very much in the, in the buy camp here. Um, I agree with Enrique. I mean, I think the sell-off has left the currency at very cheap levels. Um, and uh, as Enrique mentioned as well, copper prices remain pretty elevated despite uh, the concerns we've seen surrounding China, which tend to drag copper prices lower. Actually, uh, the copper prices are still very high, um, particularly if we compare relative to, say, pre-pandemic levels. These are still trading at very elevated levels. Um, and then on the other hand, the, the main other point for me is that while the central bank in Chile is cutting interest rates aggressively, which of course is bearish for the peso, I would expect others in the region to follow suit pretty soon, um, which means that the attractiveness of the, the peso um, sort of normalizes and we see the, the investors maybe favoring the, the peso slightly more than they have been. So, So that for me would be um, certainly a couple of arguments in favour of uh, a rebound, um, and particularly from from current levels, which, as I said, I think uh, are very, very cheap um, at present. And that's it from us. 
If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening.